health and fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy, thehearingconsultancy.ie. Visions 103. A very good Friday evening to you. Coming up on health and fitness this evening, there's a couple of Harriers in the studio this evening. Tullamore ones, to be specific. You're going to learn about the Athletics Club that's got plenty of history, a huge present-day participation, and we're going to chat about the future a bit as well. Stay tuned for that one if you're a runner, because one of the club's running captains is in to talk us through how we might find some improvements in our times and in our races. This evening, I'm also going to be talking about age and opportunity, specifically a program designed to support physical activity for older people. One of the things they're playing is pickleball you'll hear more about that one and chloe farrell talks to elise ga club holding uh, their own fittest family competition this weekend all tonight on health and fitness first up this evening as i said i'm joined by rita daly running captain at tullamore harriers and jack ryan not the spy but the man who's the pro and a runner with the club guys thanks for coming in to talk to us this evening thank you thank you very much uh, Jack, I'm going to start with yourself. Tullamore Harriers, um, it's a club I knew all about before I kind of moved here as well. It's got a big footprint or an imprint in uh, Irish athletics and in athletics across the region, doesn't it? Yeah, it's an absolutely massive club with a long history, which we're very proud of. Um, I mean, a lot of people join the club and they talk about old years, having seen people out on the roads running the 5Ks or the half marathons. Yeah. Um, and just wanting to be a part of the club. You know, it's from a, from a very young age. We have eight, nine, ten-year-olds coming saying, I wanted to be that person one day. You know, so the heritage and the legacy is really there. And it's great. Something people are very proud of. It's got that eye-catching singlet as well. I just ask you to um, speak into that mic in front of you okay, and no uh, we'll catch all of uh, your voice in full flow there. Um, so it's got that history. It's 70 years, I'm right in saying. I looked it, uh, looked it up earlier, which uh, is, is uh, no mean feat for any club uh, to be continuing its participation and, and kind of growing in that respect. Let's bring it up to the present day. Um, we're in 2023. We're just hitting halfway through it shortly. How has this year gone for the Tullamore Harriers uh, just in terms of, say, competition on the track, for instance? Yeah, oh, we're having an absolutely wonderful year. We've had a very strong 5K series, a uh, serious and um, which I mean, I should say thanks to Offaly Athletics and all the other clubs for making us such a wonderful uh, series. And um, but we've had lots of success there. I mean, our juvenile program is jam packed. I mean, I think we're probably at capacity, and the coaches are there are working very hard. And um, we've had great uh, results in the Senans Open uh, Sports in Kilkenny. Mm. There was a uh, great success in the middle distance at the All Irelands and probably all across. There's just so much. Um, We've also had, um, we have people competing next week in the All-Ireland Schools track and field finals. Um, and then we have the likes of James Dunn and Ava O'Connor who are p- competing abroad at the moment, but, but will be representing the club in Ireland in the European Athletics um, Under-23 uh, European Championships. Fantastic. The Under-23s uh, next month. And then we have Sarah Flanagan who's new to the club. Uh, she joined last year and she's representing Ireland the World Championships for the Irish Mountain Running Association. So like Brilliant. right across, it's so broad and so varied that it's very hard even in two minutes yeah. to summarise um, how, how much the club does. I, I sold you a pup there trying to talk us through it all. Um, two things occurred to me as, as you were talking me through what's going on at the club there. Uh, the first we'll just touch on because you mentioned there it must be really interesting being part of a club when then say maybe somebody moves to the catchment area and they join the club and they bring 
you know, sort of this next level ability or whatever it is in their particular discipline. Um, that can happen every now and then. It must be pretty interesting and exciting when you see someone with like a national standard of ability just pop up out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sarah is such an inspiration. Just to take Sarah, she's wonderful. Uh, and like her appetite and ferocity for running, but also her passion and how she encourages others is amazing. But equally, I'm enthused when anyone comes into the club because it's a chance for me to find another running buddy, someone yeah. else just to take me on. So we're constantly kind of going, maybe I can catch that person. He's 10 seconds ahead of me. So <laughs> anyone coming in is welcomed. And, it, you'll, you know, there's always someone else to run against, you know, and to kind of give you that little bit of extra step in your training. Another thing uh, that occurred to me as well is when I moved down here, um, I wanted to go up and have just a look at the club as 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 it was. And I think... You guys were hosting national championships last summer, uh, if I'm right in saying. I don't know to what age grade it was, but um, it was a ticketed affair over a number of days and the, the, the sun was perfect. And the facilities that you've got in the Harriers Club uh, are one of the best in the country as well, aren't they? Yeah, and the, the Midlands setting means that a lot of tournaments and different championships are held okay. there. So it's constant. You can turn up, want the park, Five or six, five or six different people come with their cars, and we find that we don't even have parking, that we can't park there. So, you know, it's not great for us runners, but uh, no, it's so <laughs> it's amazing and it's real wonderful to see the amount of athletes going in, and especially I love going out to watch the Masters, uh, people over sixty, over seventy yeah. competing, um, and you know, you just learn so much from them as well. So it's a real community. That's runners. it. And and those Masters runners that can be great at leading uh, club sessions and, and uh, set great examples for other runners in the club as well. Um, absolutely. You know, you just can learn so much from them. Um, there's loads you could name, but they're also so welcoming. I came down and um, I ran with Andy for the first couple of months and um, he was just constant support, constant, just little bits of advice, um, which was really welcoming. Great stuff. Um, what about stuff that's coming up in the club? Is there anything that you want to uh, give a shout out to since uh, uh, we're talking about its kind of wider operations here? Yeah, well, I mean, we're very busy and we're probably building up to the busiest time in a, in a year. The Tullamore Half Marathon must be our pinnacle. And you'll see now on Sundays, year, all year round, but really from early February, different groups of runners going out together. They've met in the club and they have their target. Oh, you're a two-hour runner. You're an hour and 45-minute runner. Yeah. And they kind of band off together. And uh, outside Harriers, is a bit like a, uh, an airport on a Sunday morning. There's people coming and going. <laughs> There's the 8 o'clock group. And then they're coming back in at 10 o'clock. And the 10 o'clock group will be just going out. So we have the Tullamore Half Marathon. And uh, then after the Half Marathon, we'll have our cross-country season. And then people after the Half Marathon will still be training for Dublin Marathon. But then another um, part of the of the club are the club races, which is something I really love. Um, and throughout the year, we'll have club uh, races, and it goes right back to the seventy years. Some of these races have been running seventy years. No way. And uh, we have the Peter English six two five coming up on the eleventh of July, which is just one lap of the track. But um, everyone is just so supportive, and the person who finishes first stays. You know, to the last person, and you, you, know, you just you get clapped across, and um, you know, there's a place for everyone. You know? Brilliant. And and so you love these club races. What is it that you really love about them over and above other events? I think it's the sense camaraderie. I mean, yeah, you know, big races, Dublin Marathon, even the Tullamore Half. It's easy to to get lost. You know, Tullamore Half is a huge race, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely massive. How many how many participants are we usually talking? I think about? it was about eight hundred and fifty three last year. It's probably okay. going to be more. I think next uh, this year, where the but club races different kettle of fish entirely, and you yeah, get that connection with people. Yeah, a little bit shorter, and usually there's a bit. You know, it's used. You know, it's the 
30, 40, 50 people and it's tea and coffee afterwards with the more half is so big. It's, you know, you can kind of get lost a little bit. Still absolutely wonderful. And the finish <laughs> on the track is amazing. But um, we also do run handicap races for our club races. So it means anyone's in the mix. Okay, uh, so you're competitively, like yeah, in the moment you're yeah, in the mix. You know, so, uh, the, you know, everyone runs hard and they know they can be in it till the very end. We also run a lot of team comps with our, with our uh, club races. So, you know, every team could have 20 runners, so, and everyone across the line is a point, say, so, you know, everyone counts, and, you know, um, it's really the most people who turn up, their team win, sometimes, you know, that kind of concept. I, one of one of the most important things on health and fitness uh, here is is participation. It, I, it is one of the most important things to me on this show, and uh, just that very idea that the more people participate, the kind of competitive uh, advantage that they might get in that sense is really nice thought. Uh, Rich, I just wanted to throw it to you because Jack's done a phenomenal job in bringing us through all the events that are taking place. For, from your perspective of the stuff that's coming up, uh, what would uh, what would you be most excited about, generally speaking? Um, I suppose for me, um, it's uh, competition and the the different events that we have from the from all of that, the club level level to the awfully races to the Leinster and then some national races and then the cross country. So um, competition is is your real raison d'etre in that respect. Well, it is. It's about getting the people to the start line, really. But it's not it, not everybody wants to race. It's getting people to their own goals, I suppose. Great. And uh, everybody has a different goal. We might have one girl or a fella that wants to get up to six miles and they're very happy with that. They might do it faster the next time. It's it's about setting your own goals and the, there's such a variation of runners in the club with uh, different abil- abilities that, you know, the goals are very different. So um, y- you just have to do, you do a training plan. Uh, one doesn't suit all as such, doesn't fit all. But generally speaking, we get people to get faster. And that's the core of the training that we give. OK, we're going to get into some of that detail very shortly. You're listening to Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. And I'm uh, speaking to uh, two Tullamore Harriers, Risha Daly, running captain, and Jack Ryan, who's a runner and a PRO with the club. When we come back from the break, uh, we're going to be uh, talking about how we might help you maybe improve that time or get you to enjoy your racing a little bit more or generally enjoy your running a little bit more. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. With the Hearing Consultancy, book a free hearing test at one of our clinics in Clara, Kinnegad, Mullingar or Tullamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help and more. Coming soon to Eden Dairy, thehearingconsultancy.ie. You're very welcome back to Health and Fitness. We are talking running and I'm very glad to say in studio with me is Jack Ryan. He's a runner and a PRO with the Tullamore Harriers and Rita Daly. Rita, um, you're a running captain at the club. So let's define what that is maybe first just for our listeners to understand. Uh, well, the captain is just, um, it's its really we look after the senior group, not the juveniles. Uh, we're not trained trainers or anything, but we have a lot of experience running and we're in the club a long time. So, um, a person might be a captain for five years and then, you know, step down and let somebody else uh, okay. take. So we, we try to encourage the runners, organise the runners, organise um, training plans. And that's kind of it. It doesn't sound like much, but um, it is. But it's really, really enjoyable. I'm only new to the post this year. So it's um, it's just a lovely role. It's really it's what I like doing. So okay. very re- rewarding. Well, I can see already written across your face that you enjoy what you're doing, yeah. that it means a lot to you as well. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what you do do in, the, in that sense then, because 
I know having been with running clubs previously and I actually saw you guys in action on Tuesday um, people look to you when they turn up to kind of give them that initial security and sense of guidance and, and that okay someone here cares about what's happening with me they're going to give me some good information uh, and that type of thing how do you structure these sessions so that uh, you can um, give runners the best chance to kind of improve themselves um, okay so um, I suppose we, we welcome runners of all abilities and we just some people might just want to get fit or get faster or do a 5k or a marathon or whatever mm. but there's space for everybody uh, Sean uh, is the male captain Sean Reynolds and um, we put our heads together and we come up use our experience and our knowledge and obviously what we read and you know take advice from other people like there's lots of very knowledgeable people in the club that have been running for years. I mean, they could really tell you a lot. And um, we put a plan together that's um, a month monthly plan. And it is it is based on science, science as such. Right. It may not be very different to what you'd get online or whatever, but we usually base the plan on the races coming up for the season. So the start the start of the season after Christmas was cross country. Right. That was the tail end of the cross country. So uh, we would have had a little bit of cross country racing on the Sunday mor- or training on the Sunday morning. That stopped then when the cross country is finished until the autumn. So uh, now we're back and we're concentrating on the next thing was the 5K series. Then we had uh, the Leinster 10 mile race, which was uh, a race. And then the Leinster Road Championships was the next race. Uh, so you have... And now we have the Endurance Series, series, which is another fantastic, awfully series uh, organised by the Awfully Athletics. And Are there different plans for all of these races to a certain degree? You're kind of tweaking the sessions or the structure of the sessions? You see, well, we try and base it to what the, the, the club is going to be racing. Okay. Other people in the club, some people in the club will be going off to do something else, like the Edinburgh Marathon is this weekend. There's... Um, a small group going over to run that race. So uh, the marathon training is slightly different. We don't put the plan for marathon training because that's very personalised depending on people's abilities and stuff. They have to add in a lot more miles themselves. But they still can do the Tuesday and Thursday session. So basically the session um, would, there's Tuesday session, which is usually a shorter session and it's mostly done on the tarmac and the harriers. The Thursday session is a tempo session, basically, and we try to head out towards Line Alley now that the weather is bright. Um, Interval training is basically uh, done on the Tuesday session. And this is kind of a scientific thing. Interval training. Interval training. Tell tell me about it. So it's basically dividing an exercise program into different intervals or parts. Um, One part is working at higher intensity and the other is at a lower intensity. The lower intensity part allows us to recover between the higher intensity parts, which over time allows us to perform at the of that intensity for longer. Okay. So it's basically, um, say if we're training for a 5K race, we pick our goal race pace, yeah. right? And we do, say, for instance, intervals of, okay, just say 800 metres. And everyone's goal race pace will be different, remember. Yeah. But the session will be six by eight hundreds on Tuesday. So night. everyone's running the same everyone's session. Everyone's running the same session, but at different speeds completely. Yeah. Definitely all different. So you just need to know your goal race pace by doing either 
do a trial time or have a race in mind. So you run your interval, your 800 metres at your goal race pace, which would be whatever it is um, I run at minute per mile or whatever okay. and or a little bit faster. Then you, you get your recovery, you run your recovery easier and then you go at it again. And they should always be the same, really. You should try and it's no point in having the first two. You meet the target and then you're not doing the others. The whole session should be all the same. So even if, you know, you're 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 tiring or slowing down your session, uh, the second half of your session is losing that kind of consistency. You want to look at what that target pace is uh, exactly. at the start. You've gone too hard initially to, to get the best out of the session. Exactly. Or it's too you're, you're aiming too high. Maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, which is probably a common thing in running. Once someone really gets into it, they're probably desperate to keep improving and, and people can aim too high as much as too low, I imagine. Oh, yeah. And we end up actually overtraining because you end up racing on the track. You okay, end up yeah. racing a train. You're following somebody. I'm following Jack or somebody and yeah. I'm killing myself to, to catch him. And I'm dead after the session. It's not a race. It's a training session. So the idea of it is that come race day, you those those all those 800 metres, you're adding them together and you're able to race it pretty, pretty hard as well because you're putting in more effort for the race to add them together. Because that adrenaline probably helps a little exactly. bit as well. And you should be able to do it. And then over time, your race pace, your goal race pace will be faster and faster. And it's how you get faster. So that's the interval sessions. And there's very there's loads of different sessions. We can do 800 metres, 200. We can do um, kilometres. We can do uh, two kilometres. We can do pyramids. There's a whole selection. You did pyramids on Tuesday evening. Tell us tell us what that is. And we'll finish up with this particular section of the chat on that one. Uh, The pyramid um, is it's it's just it's we started at 400 metres. Then we went to six. Then we went to eight. Then we stuck in a mile, didn't we? Did a kilometre, then a mile. Yeah, yeah. Then down to a, a kilometre. Uh, yeah, and back down again. And it actually, it's it's really to fool you into thinking that you're you're you, you're actually going faster. There's a little bit of a mind game with it. Yeah. And um, it's a great session. It, it, it's great. I I uh, I hadn't been through a session like that uh, in about nine months or something, and I I'm, I nearly hallucinated with the exhaustion at one point, but. <laughs> That's just when you're psychologically at your worst place. You know, when you, you're between a kilometre and the mile or you're, you're only oh, halfway yeah. through the, the yeah. mile and you just feel like it's, it's, it can't get better. Um, but then it does get better and it helps you really. I was looking at the, uh, the average uh, pace, you know, and, and when the brain feels better, the legs move better. It's so yeah. funny, even though you've done more distance sometimes. Yeah. Well, you did slot into a pretty fast group for a new a new. Didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know better Fair for play. next time. Yeah. Um, okay, so like that, I hope hopefully people listening um, can can get some uh, really helpful information from this because in your role uh, as a running captain or, or someone who's been running for some time, you must see so often how these interval sessions uh, work for people who haven't trained that way before and it starts really developing them and they get that sense of momentum pretty quickly. Yeah, maybe not pretty quickly. Not pretty quickly, but, <laughs> but at uh, some stage. Work, yeah, you do have to work at it and you have to train consistently, I think, too. You can't be coming up on Thursday and then come back in three weeks. It just doesn't work. No. Um, but it does work and everybody has made improvements in the club. There's nobody that doesn't if you train and, uh, you know, take part and stuff like that. So it does. And once you don't overtrain and once you take your... 
um, you know, you you rest after your races and all of that. You have to keep all that in mind as well. You know, it, it is a little bit of a package. Um, if we do races, uh, yeah, I would take it. I'm older, so I would take it a little bit easier after a few days after the race. And I'd maybe stretch my speed workout till the end of the week. Um, so that's why I was looking on on Tuesday night. I didn't do this. No, session. and that's it. Uh, it yeah. It's 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 another great lesson I think that you can get from being part of a running club is that um, you listen to your own body. Yeah. You you learn as your body reacts and tells you clear things, as it were. Mm. Um, and and all of that is in evidence uh, seeing you guys in action. And sometimes the the big action is the buzz of the race isn't it like that, that that's that's um it's one of the things that obviously drives participation in running clubs and athletics clubs across the country is, is all of the, the 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 races that are organized and jack did a great job earlier of talking us through just the sheer breadth of stuff that's already happened this year mm. and that's that's coming up uh, but from your own perspective you know uh, watching uh, club mates uh, join the starting line, seeing their excitement and being part of races yourself, that uh, it must be one of your favourite parts of the whole endeavour. Yeah, it's kind of bittersweet, actually. Um, most runners will be somewhat nervous coming up to the race, uh, me included, uh, even mm. a week mm. before, even longer, actually. <laughs> but um, and then sometimes you're not so nervous, but nearly everybody is nervous. Um, with the dread, we love the challenge to ourselves as well. And uh, we see that the body, what the what the body can do in the day and yeah. that's what I love about it it's it's really like a surprise you actually don't know you can train all you like but there's lots of little things that might influence you to sleep you know hydration even if you try to get everything right it's not always you just don't know you even though you're even if you're an expert quote unquote and you've been doing it for ages that race day can still surprise you a bit well it does and obviously that's why we go back for more <laughs> I mean we can't keep getting faster so there is things that just they don't work out on the day for some strange reason. It could be just the weather. It could be anything. But your your body just just won't work. Uh, but you know, generally speaking, if you train, you can you will tap into doing making being happy with your race. Um, so um, I suppose it's it is better to be relaxed uh, uh, when you're starting off on the race. It's a difficult mindset to be in. But um, if you could banish, uh, I I do think if you can banish the what if and stay in the present, it's really a good place to be. And uh, then when the whistle go, it is actually amazing what the body and mind can work together to create either a good run or a bad run. Um, each runner uh, will do a lot of chatting to themselves during the race. <laughs> I do an awful lot, but I'm sure everybody else does too. Um, maintaining a positive attitude is essential because it, it, if the head goes, the body will go. And unfortunately, depending on the race distance, um, it, it, that can really, really happen. Yeah. Um, I, I use different mantras, as I'm sure lots of people do. I, I just say, oh, yeah, you're in control, Rita. You've you've got this, Rita. You've, Brilliant. You're not in pain, Rita. <laughs> and I am in pain. But I actually don't be in pain. You start feeling sorry for yourself. And that can really get into your head. And you, oh, I want to stop. Everybody wants to stop. You know, you get people at the end of the race. So, God, I wanted to stop. And I said, Patricia, so did I. We all wanted to stop. But you, you try and tell yourself you're doing great. God, you're, you're doing great, you know. And you just keep repeating this throughout the race. But the ra the racing itself is painful. But um, it's because we're running beyond, beyond our com comfort zone. Uh, but it's meant to be painful. Um, and if it's not painful, you're not working hard enough. And that's that's my my policy. 
Um, I can see Jack nodding along. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, in yeah, agreement yeah. on that one. Just, um, just say, uh, Rita, I mean, she is wonderful because she really does get a lot of joy from watching us run. And I have, I'm coming back from injury and I have a baby at home, so I found it tough this year. Good but man. she's been really supportive and she ran one of the five mile races with me saying, you're not work- if you're not working hard or if you're not healing, <laughs> you're not working hard. But, you know, I came home really strong that day and it was really supportive. So um, I know the captains do great things for us. That's great. And Jack, actually, you bring us to the last point I wanted to make on health and fitness this evening with this discussion is uh, the running community how you know I I went from playing with a football club uh, to joining a running club back to back there a few years ago and the the experience was shockingly different and football clubs have brilliant uh, environments uh, and, and great aspects to them but the running community the support of nature and how all different groups of people can can mix and interact it kind of sets it apart doesn't it yeah, I know. It's absolutely wonderful. I mean, whether it's the week before Christmas and we do our club race or the hospice mile on Christmas morning or coming in with someone after spending um, an hour and a half doing, you know, the Tullamore half, coming in and, you know, pushing each other on. And at the end, you know, you get to embrace and just say, well done. Uh, no, it's wonderful. Um, all the reasons we run are probably very varied, but um, we spoke briefly about nutrition just, um, mm. I think, was mentioned. But often it's we talk about what we're going to eat after our training run, and <laughs> yeah. some great cups of tea and coffee and scones, and uh, you know, and that's great. And there was one group, and I have still yet to run with them, but seemingly they hide bottles of water and jelly beans ah. um, in one of the ditches along the way, so they can pull them out. And it's just like those little things, you know, really make it. Yeah. You know, it's just nice, like. Um, and then there's the finisher bags, you know, and everyone runs, and you know, they open the bag. What do I get this time? Yeah, you know, and I ran the. Cove 10 mile there um, a couple of, and I got the mug the Sonia Sullivan mug and ah. that was nice I, so I think that's probably another reason you know there's that kind of community as well yeah yeah no I think it's great I was as I said I, I went running with you guys on Tuesday and um, there was a guy at the club shout out to Anthony if he's listening at all he uh, oh, took me yeah. under his slightly exhausted wing while I was totally exhausted and we made it round in good fashion Um Rita Daly and Jack Ryan from Tullamore Harriers. Uh, we've gone miles over time, but that's just because it was a really enjoyable conversation. Thanks for talking to us this evening. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods in association with the Hearing Consultancy. Passionate about hearing and hearing health, we use the latest technologies to identify and analyse hearing issues and provide their solutions. Book a free test on thehearingconsultancy.ie. Welcome back to the show. We're going to be hearing about Pickleball, a multi-farming community centre and age and opportunity and activity programme. The programme manager is also going to be in our next piece. So uh, you'll hear from Peter about Pickleball. It will uh, then be Marion, who's a physical activity leader with age and opportunity, and then Sue Gilday, who is the programme manager. Are you still with me? Let's start with Peter and Pickleball. I suppose for someone who's never seen it before, I, I would kind of generally describe it or compare it a little bit to outdoor tennis adapted for indoors. It's, it's much different, there's a lot of different little skills in it compared to tennis. And it, it's a gentler sport in, in ways. Very, very enjoyable, a lot of people. And like after playing it for about a year and a half, I felt now that I was as fit as I was 25 years ago. So our age range is from 16 to 82. So, and it doesn't make any difference what age you are to have fun at pickleball. This is one big thing with me, is the, the mix of age group. It's really important that uh, you don't segregate people because of their age. I find it very, very relaxing. Like any stress and strains, they're totally gone. The ball is what you're focused on. Totally, completely and utterly. 
Like you give your life to get that ball across the net. Just amazing. <laughs> well, the, the grants on an unborn cone base are very important because the, the nets, they have to be renewed. So we're, we're really appreciative of the, the grants we're getting. Yeah, we wouldn't exist uh, without our funding grants from Agent Opportunity. And the main reason being is we couldn't ask our members to pay more for equipment as well as pay for haul hire. Having the funding means that we can buy the equipment, they don't have to pay for it, and uh, they can come and just pay a small amount of money for their haul hire. We play pickleball Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday at half past ten, and Tuesday and Thursday at seven o'clock and some people come every day. So it is important, it is really, it's a really big part of their lives and the, the funding makes a huge difference in that. Now, as you heard, there are some fantastic things going on with uh, Age and Opportunity Active. I'm very glad to say that the Age and Opportunity Active Programme Manager, uh, Sue Gilday, joins me. Uh, Sue, thanks for taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness this evening. No problem. Delighted to be here. So, before we get going into the great details of, of some of the programs that are available and, and um, some of the grants that people can get for supports for being active as an older person, uh, I think it's important uh, maybe if we can just outline and define what Age and Opportunity Active do, what the remit is. So Age and Opportunity Active is uh, funded by Sport Ireland and our remit is to get more older people more active more often. So we, our aim is to make sure that we get as many older people in Ireland being active and engaged in physical activity and sport throughout the country. And we do this in a variety of different ways. We have a grant scheme. We have a leadership PALS leadership program, which is physical activity leaders. Uh, we do walking football initiatives. We've all sorts of different activities that we do within the program. Great. And it's been supported by Sport Ireland for almost 20 years now before. Okay, so it's relatively well established. Um, And I think we all have well established conceptions as to why it's important uh, for older people to engage in their physicality. Uh, But from your perspective, why is it important to fund physical activity for older people? Because I think sometimes older people, that cohort tend to get missed out a bit when it comes to sport and physical activity. So the active program focuses on people over the age of 50. And as we all know, it's really important that we keep moving as we age. And a lot of people, especially in sports clubs, they might get to a certain age and think, you know, um, no, that's, I'm not able for that. Or they are absolutely able for anything that's put within their ability. For example, our walking football initiative yeah. would be people, older people that have played football in the past, maybe having kicked a ball in 40 years, and then they can get involved in this program and um, off they go. And not only the physical side, but also the social side and the mental health side of things. It's really important for people to stay active. What we're talking about here is a holistic benefits, really, isn't it, Sue? Um, it, it is. And and we heard from Peter just a short time ago, uh, who is uh, part of the Multifarland Community Centre that are playing pickleball. And, you know, he said he's never felt fitter uh, than he has done at the moment, not for 15 or 20 years. And he, t- he describes pickleball as a gentler sport than tennis. Uh, but he still says uh, he'd give his life to get the ball across the net. And, and it just <laughs> emphasises, Sue, what you're saying about how it doesn't matter what your age is. You can engage with these sports at the same level of uh, effort and intensity as any of uh, our younger sports playing colleagues. Yeah, and it's just a matter of what type of sport you're engaging in. I mean, that, that Peter 
it was obviously very competitive when he was probably 20 or 10. <laughs> I think so. And now that yeah. he's, where he is now, he's over 50 now, he's still got that competitive spirit. And pickleball is a prize example that is adapted and accessible to all ages. So very suitable for, for older people. Yeah, that seems to be the impression that you get from Peter as well. Uh, one of the things he points out is that he really enjoys the fact you can mix with other age groups. And whilst we're talking about funding for physical activity for older people, part of that is socialising and part of socialising is learning from other generations. So do you think that's something that um, is available in uh, the uh, Age and Opportunity Active programme and would you like to see more of it? Yes, it's really important and across our programmes in all of Age and Opportunity we look at involving uh, younger generations, so doing intergenerational pro- uh, programs or initiatives. Okay. So yeah, pickleball is one. Walking football is a really good one as well because dads, granddads, grandsons, they all play together in walking football. So yeah, now we're always looking at opportunities to mix generations as well. Yeah, that actually sounds like the perfect generational sport, particularly for the lads that sort of dads and lads and granddads being able to walk around kicking a ball around is um, uh, something that is really accessible. The amount of sports that are supported by this programme kind of knocked me out. I'm not going to ask you to list literally all of them, uh, but give us a flavour of some of the variety that's out there. So what happened um, last year, we've really put a push through the NGB, so the National Governing Bodies of Sport, to encourage their clubs to apply for the grant as well so they could put initiatives and programmes in place to include people over the age of 50. And we had a huge response, David. We have over 200 clubs since last year and this year applying for the grant and we hear some wonderful stories um, from a rowing, a rowing club in Galway who's setting up Learn to Row uh, programmes for people in the community. We have badminton, we have swimming, we have aqua, we have diving, we have uh, seated boxing. It's just a huge variety of, of sports, weird and wonderful sports that some may not even have heard of before, like the pickleball. Um, so we're delighted with that to see the variety of sports right across the country uh, supported by the grants. Yeah, and it, just you mentioned pickleball there again. I think I remember hearing it's like one of the fastest growing sports in the world in terms of participation. Yes, because it's really big in the States mm. and it started like on a small scale here. But uh, I can see now from the popularity with some of the groups that we fund and that we come across that they're looking for more pickleball sessions all the time. Um, and we do have people that would be able to show groups how to play pickleball and set them up. And the, the beauty of the grant scheme is uh, like a pickleball set wouldn't cost you more than 300 euros. And our average grant that we can give out to clubs and, and groups and nursing homes and all sorts of um, organizations, the grant average is in around 300 euros. Yeah. So it's affordable as well for groups. They could get a pickleball set each time with a grant. And that money, Sue, goes a long way. I was just looking at the Midlands counties and their allocation. 14 groups in Leash got €5,000 overall. Um, There was 6000 granted for 15 groups across Offaly and there were 11 in in Westmeath and that took in just over uh, 3500 But uh, if you look at the amount of groups that are getting grants, state-supported funding uh, for their sports programmes, like you say, it might only appear to be small change on the micro level, but the overall effect then is um, a widespread benefit. It is. And we hear, you know, stories back and we get nice letters and emails back from groups saying, telling us the difference even 300 euros can make 
to their to their offerings. And, you know, some of these people, they, they have 300 euros and then they might subsidize it a little bit more themselves. So mm. it makes it affordable then. They're not paying for everything. They're not having to pay for equipment as well as maybe having to hire a hall and, of course, you know, have the cup of tea afterwards. So it's it's fantastic that they can get this lump of money that they are going to use all of that or they use most of it and subsidize it as well. And then another point which I think should be mentioned is that if we're getting older people more physically active, they're getting, as you said earlier, mental health benefits and physical health benefits that will, as time rolls on, benefit the health service executive and the public health offering in this country because people will present with less uh, complaints and, and negative outcomes in terms of health that saves money more and more down the line for the country as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about keeping people as active and as mobile and as engaged as possible. I mean, if you hear Professor, Ken, Professor Kenny talking about um, re- research that they do to see what keeps people active, what keeps people engaged, the social side of things is hugely important. Having a, a network of friends or having a club to go to is one of the most important things to keep us active, active and mentally and physically healthy. What about yourself personally, Sue? Do you get something out of the work that you do in this respect, developing the programme and, and, and helping clubs ultimately provide those services for uh, our uh, older community members? Oh, absolutely. It's really important for us uh, within the active programme to see people develop and to hear the stories back. And the workshops, we run workshops where we train people to be physical activity leaders. And that's called our PALS initiative. And, you know, we have about 500 or so, 400 um, physical activity leaders around the country. And it's really encouraging for us to hear back from them and visit them and see the different activities that they're doing and all the work that they're doing on the ground within their own communities. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy. Passionate about hearing and hearing health, we use the latest technologies to identify and analyse hearing issues and provide their solutions. Book a free test on thehearingconsultancy.ie. Welcome back to the programme. We are going to take you to Leash, Kyle GAA and their fittest family competitions in its second year. Here's David Buckley speaking with Chloe Farrell. Yeah, so the, so the fittest family, we're running the fittest family again this year on Sunday the 28th of May. So starting at one o'clock with teams to be there from 12. Um, and we would have run it at the same time last year and it was a great success. So we're doing it again this year. Um, I suppose we also had a benefit this year that it's been supported and sponsored by Quilcha, which is fantastic for uh, both of the organisations that the proceeds are going to, which is our local GA club, our juvenile GA club, and also um, the local Grail School, Grail School Shlidala. So there's a range of events within it and they're all around, first and foremost, about families and kids having a bit of fun doing it but then there's also uh, activities around agility and balance and coordination so a team consists of there's a parent or a guardian with two kids from primary uh, primary school going age so the types of activities are uh, there's an obstacle course where uh, uh, the participants have to go under nets through pipes up over straw bales go through tires and there's then other individual activities like welly throwing there's another activity where the parent or the guardian uh, has a wheelbarrow 
and has to carry the two kids one at a time down to the end of an obstacle course, drop them off and go back and, uh, and get the next, uh, the next child. And how do you choose each activity? Well, but there's a group of us that kind of sit down to try to come up with something that's a bit practical, but equally a bit maybe weird and wacky and wonderful that there's a bit of crack in it for, um, for parents and kids. Then the neighbourhood we're from here is, is an agricultural neighbourhood, so all of the materials used are all local. So there's straw bales um, uh, from, a, from a local farmer. We also have some timber poles and products from a local farmer uh, who also has uh, forestry. So we'll be fashioning them into obstacle courses this year that we wouldn't have had last year to make it. Uh, a little bit different. There's kids from that would be partaking in it from three and four up to the 12-year-olds that might be in sixth class. So there's benefits to, to having an older child for some of the activities, but then they go against you if you're trying to uh, push them in a wheelbarrow. That's what I was wondering, just who each activity is suitable for. Is there some that may not be as easy for younger children, but then others that may not be so easy for the parents that are involved? So the activities... They're suitable for, for all of the, the age groups. So even last year, one particular girl, she was only four, but her father obviously helped her through it. So they're suitable for all of them. And more often than not, uh, some of the activities are, are more of a challenge for the parent or guardian than they might necessarily be for, for the kids who by their very nature just want to get, just want to go out and have a bit of fun and get, and get stuck in. So they're perfectly suitable for everybody, Chloe. Yeah, just even looking at the video from last year, a lot of the activities seem to be fairly based off the programme for this families and look to be quite difficult, some of them. I definitely would struggle. But how do you maintain that then to have the more kind of strenuous activities, but as well as just to keep it as a bit of family fun? Yeah, so look, absolutely. And, you, and, you, and you've seen the video. So, so first and foremost, First and foremost, it's obviously a fundraiser, and like all fundraisers, there, 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 there has to be something, so to speak, money-wise that the, that the respective organisations get out. That's the first thing. They need to be fun because otherwise people won't come and do them in the first place, and they certainly won't come back to the, uh, uh, subsequently again to do them. So even the number of teams we have this year, we've uh, slightly more teams we had last year, and a lot of them are the same teams because they had such fun um, last year. But like some of the families that partake. They're partaking in it more for the family, for the bonding in it, than necessarily a competitive piece. But even in the final last year, um, there was a distinct uh, competitive streak in all of the three families that 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 got into the fam- uh, that got into the final, should I say, um, so much so that some of the kids have nearly been thrown up in the bales rather than necessarily uh, jumping up in the bales. But but there's enough span, there's enough a span of ability for all whether it be the parent or the guardian or, or, or the kids to, to push as hard as they like or maybe to not push as hard as they like if that's what they so wish to. Okay, there may not be as many health benefits to throwing a child up on top of a bale, but with the other tasks, obviously they're going to be fun, but what are the health benefits to it then? Would there be much kind of training involved before? Do you see people out practising? Yeah, so, so, I suppose, so I suppose, first of all, Obviously, this is this. It's obviously a fundraiser, but it's also about in in instilling in people, you know, the absolutely as you say, the the health benefits of exercise on a regular basis, not just exercise on one day on one day the on one day of the year for for fitness family for heaven's sake. So even we would have started this a number of months ago months ago in in the schools in particular, uh, where families that are entering 
they have to they have to produce a short video showing themselves training, uh, and because this year it's been supported by by Quilsha, uh, that video is in their maybe their local uh, uh, Quilsha recreational area, whether that's in the Slee Blooms or or some of the sites uh, in Emo Court or over in in Durrow. So there's no videos that are up in the Kyle GA Facebook page. So people have to do some bit of training to prepare for it. Uh, that's the first thing, and um, and I suppose ultimately, ultimately, particularly for, for for kids, a lot of the kids that are participating, they're playing, they're playing sports, they're playing hurling or football, and coming to month school, or they're playing with their, with their local juvenile GA club, whatever that may, might well be. So to get, in our view, anyway, to to get kids to partake in sport and to stay with the sport. In time, they might get better at the sport, but it's important that they actually just have a bit of fun. But I suppose the final question is, what are you fundraising for and how was it decided that a fittest family challenge would be the best way to do this? Yeah, and well, on the first question, I, I certainly will be one that will be delighted that, that the back's against the wall is not there, so I will be able to stand. And the organisations, so we're doing it for our local GA club and we're doing it for uh, our, our local school, which is the Grail School, which, and we're doing it in the GA field and the school is literally across the road, so 20 or 30 yards across the road. They're the natural partners to do it for, do it for first and foremost. Because there's an overlap uh, with kids that are involved in both, it's a logical thing in terms of trying to get parents to participate. And then I suppose, because of the success of the Fittest Family TV programme, it, it wasn't a hard sell, so to speak, to get kids to and, and parents to want to be involved because most of them have sat down and you know, would have watched the, the Fittest Family programme at, at some point in time. Um, and because, please God, the weather will be nice as it was last year, uh, Sunday, it's a great day out. We have tea and coffee and refreshments for people. There'll be food there. So even if somebody is only coming as a spectator to watch some of the action or to support maybe a, a neighbour or a family member that's participating, we're, we're more than happy to see that and, and ultimately see a smile on people's faces as they watch some people maybe being very competitive and other people to some degree maybe making a show of themselves. It's all in, in the interest of raising a few quid. Good man, David. Uh, David Buckley there speaking to Chloe Farrell. John Hogan's up next with Country Roads after we get the news. Midlands 183.